Um, I'm certainly honored to be the first Native American region, but, you know, I've got a voice and I'm going to use it. And um, I'm not naturally an outgoing person. I'm just sometimes you're in the right place at the right time. And you have to speak for people who haven't been heard. Bonjour, hello, welcome to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. I'm your host, Leah Lem. And I'm your other host, Cole Primo. Miigwech for joining us today. Native Lights is a place for Native folks to tell their stories. Every week we have wonderful conversations with great guests from a whole lot of different backgrounds. These are policymakers, healers, entrepreneurs, artists, you name it. We talk to them about their gifts and how they share those gifts with their community. And it all centers around purpose and amplifying Native voices. So Leah, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Great. Uh, you're uh, you're out of the state right now. <laughs> so you might hear a couple friends joining me in the background. I'm at Glacier National Park, and there's plenty of wildlife that also want to make themselves known. So these nice, lovely big birds, I think maybe ravens, crows. <laughs> <laughs> May want to join in from time to time. I found a spot at the resort that has internet. So I, I knew I didn't want to miss our chat today. So I'm yeah. trying to make sure to be here, but I'm also joined by others. <laughs> That's great. I mean, uh, I'm glad that you uh, found a place and a little bit of time to take take the interview out, out in Montana there. It's great. Oh, yeah, you betcha. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so today we're chatting with Tad Johnson. Tad is a Bowie's Fort Band of Chippewa Citizen, a retired professor, a former tribal attorney, and he's also a lecturer. Recently, he became the first Native person appointed to the University of Minnesota Board of Regents, where he will represent the 8th Congressional District. He is also currently a senior advisor on government affairs for the Mille Lacs Band of Ojibwe, and he's got a lot of, lot, lot of things going on. It's quite clear that he's very knowledgeable, and I can't wait to talk with them about it. Before we get started, I just want to make sure that we mention what the Board of Regents is at the University of Minnesota. So when the University of Minnesota was founded, the Board of Regents was created as the governing body or the governing board. And then from the U of M website, the Regents site, it says that Regents articulate a vision for the university and work to ensure the University of Minnesota fulfills its mission of education, research, and outreach for the benefit of the people of Minnesota, the nation, and the world. That's a big job. So it's really nice to have some really strong Native representation on the Board of Regents. Crows agree. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and Tad Johnson is here. Boujou, Tad. I'm Tad Johnson. I'm in Duluth, Minnesota, which is where I grew up and have my home. I'm a member of the Boys Fort Band of Chippewa, part of the Minnesota Chippewa tribe. And um, I'm happy to be here. We always like to ask, you know, how are you doing? How's your family doing during this, you know, stage of the pandemic, uh, uh, the year 2022? How are you doing? We're all, we're all doing okay. Actually, we've... Um, all gotten uh, vaccinated. Um, we all had a weird malady during the winter that home testing didn't 
uh, showed we didn't have COVID later on, my doctor said, well, you might have. <laughs> so anyway, she said, you actually have to be checked out in a clinic. Uh, and we never were. So we had all the symptoms that are classic, uh, at least. So I brought home, that was my fault because I was out recruiting at that point for the two graduate programs I used to direct at UMD on a Master of Tribal Administration and Governance and a Master of Tribal Resource and Environmental Stewardship, which are still programs at UMD I highly recommend. So, But I went to an indoor powwow at Fond du Lac, and uh, then I went to Bemidji. I went to Red Lake um, and Leech Lake and was trying to recruit students. And uh, anyway, that was my uh, downfall. At some point that during that week, I got uh, infected or I, or I really got a bad case of the flu. So either way, we all got sick, <laughs> so, except my youngest kid. What's at the top of your mind right now? This is really rudimentary, but I'm, I'm learning to become a regent, so, which um, is uh, causing a, you know, me to relearn a lot of things. So I'm I'm a professor who's uh, has to take classes from individuals right now. So, and I I'm trying to be a good student so that there's a great turnaround here turnabout. Before we get into that, I was curious. You know, you retired right before that appointment. Could you talk about your lengthy retirement? I'm being sarcastic. It was like what <laughs> ten days or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had. Let it be known to the gentleman who who had the position before that I might be interested in in attempting to to uh, run for it at some point. And usually, what you do is you go through a committee process first, and then um, the both the house. It's one of the few things both the house and the senate vote on when the legislature is out of session. The governor appoints. And so David McMillan stepped down and um, I got wind of that. And so I kind of called and said, what are the ropes? I uh, called a few friends, one had been a regent, a couple of them, um, you know, understood the, the rules and said, we're going to have to cut all your ties with the U of M. And I was going to retire from on the, on June 20th anyway from my job as uh, Senior Director of American and Indian Tribal Nation Relations and um, go back to UMD. I was going to do, I was going to go back part-time doing 25% directing uh, the two graduate programs that I helped create. And um, I'll live a fairly calm, sedate life. And then... Um, <laughs> Uh, that came up right around the time. It was a week before I was going to retire uh, from my position with um, Karen Diver was technically my boss and Joan Gable was her boss. So um, it was a nice job. And But when Karen got there, I was about to turn 65 this last summer, which I've already passed. And so I thought, well, I could just go back to being a lawyer and try for this region position. So... So I let Governor Walls know that I was interested in it, sent my resume, and a lot of the Minnesota tribes weighed in on my behalf, and I got to know all of them quite well because I've been in Indian Affairs for 35 years. I've worked for Mille Lacs um, off and on since 1987, and actually 
was on the hiring committee for Melanie Benjamin. So when she was attempting to be commissioner of administration back in the late 80s. So we've been friends for a long time. So she called the governor and just totally by coincidence, he was on the reservation like a month or two before this, all this happened. And she grabbed me and she grabbed him and she said, Governor, I want him to be the next regent you appoint. And the president of the Minnesota Chippewa tribe, Kathy Chavers, weighed in and the mayor of Duluth called the, some of the Duluth legislators. And so I had a, a, the head of the Minnesota Indian Affairs Council, uh, Robert Larson, called in. I called and asked for support from the union at UMD and they were behind me. And then Education Minnesota, I guess, called in. I don't know all, all the governor, but um, he called Melanie Benjamin um, uh, two weeks after I sent my application and, and said, okay, now I've had like 80 calls on Tad Johnson. So, you know, call off the dogs or something. So, so anyway, you know, I got interviewed by a small group of folks from the governor's office and they said they were probably going to make an announcement the following week. And the following week, uh, the board of regents, a few things were happening. I was going to turn 65. The board of regents was, uh, having a meeting and then having a retreat. And um, folks were telling me it would be logical to get appointed and to have you go to the retreat if, if they were thinking of you. And um, I was saying, hey, can you be in uh, Red Wing this afternoon? And I said, well, Red Wing and Ely are not real close together. It's like one end of the state or the other. But if you think it's a good idea for me to go to Red Wing, I'll go. So. Uh, I drove down, and uh, apparently around three o'clock, the governor appointed me. Um, so somewhere during the drive between Ely and Red Wing, I got appointed to be a regent. And apparently, the governor's appointment was it. I became a regent in that instant um, under this system. So Dave McMillan's term runs until February of 2023. So that gubernatorial appointment will last for approximately six months, and then I have to actually run for the seat myself. And all 201 legislators, all of the House, all of the Senate vote on me on whether or not I will be a regent for the six-year term. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. And today we're talking with Tad Johnson, Boys Fort Band of Chippewa Citizen, who is the first Native person to be appointed to the University of Minnesota Board of Regents. And he'll represent the 8th Congressional District. Could you just, you know, talk about the importance of having a Native voice on this this board and what are some of your priorities? When you're a regent, you're the trustee for the university, for the entire University of Minnesota system. So all the campuses, the extension service, et cetera. So if somebody is suing the University of Minnesota, for example, it's it's the regents they're suing. Um, and when I would apply for grants as a professor, um, it would be the Board of Regents applying for as for the grant. So for all intent and purposes, we are, this is going to sound really unusual, and it's unusual because it's the first time I've ever said it, but we we are the University of Minnesota. 
Uh, somebody said that to me, and I said, you're kidding. And, and uh, they said, no, the Board of Regents is technically and legally the the University of Minnesota. So all lawsuits go to us, all, you know, final decisions on budgets and and um, many major decisions. I had two programs, I had three programs go through the Board of Regents, and everybody was nervous about it. And everybody, the time I worked at Morrill Hall, they were constantly concerned about what the Board of Regents was was going to think about things. And so um, anyway, I became intrigued by the Board of Regents. I didn't realize, because the people I knew were pretty nice. And um, anyway, but uh, apparently the process of becoming a regent is can be really brutal because you actually have to go through a legislature, um, the legislative process. And uh, anyway, um, apparently I was told by my handlers there that uh, – um, each of them has their own degree of trauma after going through the legislative process. So I haven't suffered that yet. So, I mean, and it's possible I could could be voted down. Uh, it's possible I won't make it. So, you know, I'm prepared for that if, you know. And I, I've, I've worked for legislative bodies before, mainly as a staff person. I was one of those guys who sat next to the chairman of the committee and whispered as much Indian law in their ear as I could during a hearing. Um, and I did that for five years. And then I was in front of the, the Congress as the chairman of the National Indian Gaming Commission. So that's also a nerve wracking experience. But I've, so I will be both subject to sort of a, something of a legislative colonoscopy. And if I make it through that, I will be, uh, I will be a regent and suddenly I'll be able to be up on the panel asking questions. Um, but I can I can do that for six months at least. So you're either at the table or you're on the menu. And arguably for the last uh, 171 years, we've been on the menu So as Native American people. So the way I got the job with the university was going down and complaining about the fact that the federal government consults with tribes, the state government consults with tribes, but the great thought leader of Minnesota, the University of Minnesota, doesn't consult with tribes. Now, we did to create our programs in the American Indian Studies Department, the University of Minnesota Duluth, and the American Indian Studies Department in the Twin Cities probably did too, but, and Morris, but, but, um, I said tribes need accountants and uh, we need training and governance and, and um, you know, natural resource development and agriculture and all these other things. And um, we're in the top 20 employers in the state. And yet the business school doesn't study our economies. The, uh, the Humphrey School, the great school of governance, was totally ignoring the 11 tribal governments, the 11 sovereign nations of Minnesota. And so... This was a very progressive vice president of equity and diversity. Um, rather than kicking me out of his office, a job got created that was pretty much a right, perfect fit for me. So I, I would, I didn't necessarily want it, but I was kind of like, I asked my wife, you know, should I take this? And she was kind of like, well, I think you're perfect for it. And I think you probably have a duty to do it. So go, go down. And so, the first thing I did was to make sure that the president was meeting with tribes because that hadn't happened before. And then um, we got um, American Indian Advisory Boards going, which is a state law that they'd been ignoring. And then they were ignoring a federal law on Native American Graves Protection Repatriation Act. 
the U of M went down and dug up about 186 people along the Membrees River region in New Mexico, what's now in New Mexico. Well, and these folks were buried with something called Membrees pots, which on the black market were worth, you know, probably upwards of $200 million. And the Wiseman Art Museum was kind of hanging on to them. And the bones got sent over to the Minnesota Indian Affairs Council, and they had Hamlin University storing them. But there was there was really no plan to speak of to send these folks back to where they belonged and their funerary objects along with them. So I got there, and uh, folks knew about it, but they didn't know how to approach it. But I, uh, when I worked for Mo Udall as a deputy counsel, that was the first act we worked on. It was like everybody was astonished that um, the Smithsonian and other museums had the bones of Native Americans, their funerary objects, and something called objects of cultural patrimony, which is something of great importance to a tribe. And so uh, the U of M was responsible for these, and I guess the Board of Regents was responsible for these bones and these funerary objects. And I did a memo to you know the higher-ups and... I sort of felt ignored, but maybe they were working on it. I, the President Gable got on it as soon as she heard about it. They they did create a group that got together, and Cat Hayes, who's an excellent professor, was the person who pointed all this out to me. <laughs> I said, do they know they can have all their funding withheld from the feds? I mean, not just for those programs. All their federal funding can be withheld. And they seem fairly nonchalant about that. The media never covered that. That was kind of interesting. On New Year's weekend, there was a little sm small article in the Variety section saying U of M returns things to Pueblos of New Mexico and Hopi tribe. It, it left out the breaking of the federal law for 30 years by a major university, um, et cetera. So that was all my introduction to the university. And, and I, I'm not saying that everything they do I'm coming across as fairly negative here. I mean, the University of Minnesota had the first American Indian Studies Department, and I'm happy that you know I'm I'm, I'm certainly honored to be the first Native American Regent. But you know, I've got a voice, and I'm going to use it. And um, I'm not naturally an outgoing person. I just um, sometimes you're in the right place at the right time, and you have to speak for people who haven't been heard. And I, I had to do that as a lawyer. I mean, I I hated making public presentations. I hated being in law school and getting called on. And um, anyway, but I ended up realizing that I have to make I have to do public speaking in order to you know <laughs> to speak for all these other folks that are that are not talking. So that's the way it is. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today we're talking with Tad Johnson, a Boys Fort Band of Chippewa citizen who is the first Native person to be appointed to the University of Minnesota Board of Regents, where he will represent the 8th Congressional District. When you talk about your new position as regent, regents articulate a vision for the university. And are there specifics when it comes to relationships with tribes and native people and is there that like that reciprocity so the university benefits and native people benefit do you see that happening 
So that is kind of what I devoted my post-tribal attorney career to, was trying to see how the university could work with tribes. And so uh, in creating like the Master of Tribal Administration and Governance program, we went out and talked to tribal administrators and leaders for two years. And the university was kind of, hey, I thought you were going to develop a program. I said, I, I am, but I can't do it without these folks. And so what came to the top of their list was um, HR, whether they were answering phones or they were the tribal leader, they all said, well, every HR problem lands on my desk. And um, then it was ethics issues. And it seemed like, you know, they felt like a lot of folks on the on the tribal council or their boss had ethics issues. And so anyway, they also wanted federal Indian law, principles of tribal sovereignty, tribal finance, accounting, and budgets. And so we rolled that all into a program that was palatable. And everybody said, well, you get after they got through the Board of Regents, everybody said you're going to get two or three people your first year. We had 30 applicants, and a lot of them were folks we consulted with. And so when that became a success, we just graduated cohort 10. So I got to avoid cohort 10. There were a few cohorts I missed because of COVID. But but anyway, I learned that talking to tribes and Native American folks um, helped create better programs at UMD. So they, then the Fond du Lac came to me and said, well, you, well, what about developing one for natural resources? So we did the same method. We talked with tribes for three years. And then I went down to talk with the Board of Regents about the American Indian Advisory Boards. And um, they sent me out to talk with tribes about that. And what the tribes said was, yeah, of course, there should be American Indian Advisory Boards. But how come we have Keith Ellison, Tim Walls, Amy Klobuchar, Tina Smith on speed dial and our congressmen and our state representatives? But we don't know how the University of Minnesota operates. We don't know who the president is. And I said, oh, and there's also the Board of Regents. They said, what's that? And I said, those are the those are the people the poor president reports to. And they said, why, why aren't we dealing with them? So I brought that back and I got absolutely nowhere with the Kaler administration. Uh, but when President Gable came in and Michael Goh came in as vice president of equity and diversity, he was the guy who said, you know, I want you to come to work for with me. And and I did. And so then President Gable started meeting with the tribes. The American Indian Advisory Boards, all uh, thanks to President Cable, got um, reinstated because they had existed on all the campuses before. It's just that during the previous administration, they hadn't. So it didn't take that much of a push to, you know, the university wants to do the right thing. It's just like they, they needed directions. And then I pointed out that <laughs> this is going to sound counterintuitive, but I said, you shouldn't have me in this position. You should have a tribal leader type, like the model was Peterson Zah at Arizona State University being directly in the president's cabinet. And they were like, who do you mean? And I said, a Karen Diver type. In fact, I can't think of anybody better than Karen Diver. She's got a graduate degree from Harvard. She left leadership of her tribe honorably and became an advisor to the president of the United States. And as soon as she left, a university hired her, then it usually happens to great American Indian 
professors, the University of Arizona picked her up right away. And I said, why isn't that the University of Minnesota? Why aren't we doing that? And so then President Gable and Karen met and they really hit it off. And, um, you know, they asked me, do you mind if we hire her as your boss? And I said, no. I, I said, I'm a tribal attorney. I'm in need of a tribal leader. So, yeah, hire her, make her my boss. That'd be great. So I, they went through a hiring process. They interviewed a couple other folks. But, I mean, um, I mean, Karen was such an obvious choice. So um, she got the job. And um, now that Karen, you know, since Karen was there, I felt like, okay, it's kind of okay for me to leave now. So uh, I was going to, and now, ironically, um, Karen reports to the president and the president reports to me. So, but anyway, I, I think um, they're friends and um, of mine and uh, I want to work closely with them. And I think um, the president has done many great things besides getting the university through COVID and then through all that happened after George Floyd. and. I don't know. It's um, it was it's a moment in history in Minnesota, unlike any other we have, and, and in America. I mean, the first Secretary of Interior, who's a Native American, is is in place. The first Lieutenant Governor, um, the first Native American on the Minnesota Supreme Court and the Court of Appeals. Um, it's a moment unlike any other. But my job now is to be somebody who can speak up for what happens here and in the rest of Minnesota. And make sure that the needs of working people and Native Americans and the Eighth District and all Minnesotans are are heard at the at the Board of Regents. I guess I'm just curious, you know, if you had any final thoughts, uh, maybe for people who want to get in, who might want to try to find their voice, but you know, may have to speak in front of people, may have to like take an extra step. Like, do you have any words for them? Yeah. My mentor uh, was a guy named Frank Ducheneau, um, and his nephew Wayne now operates the Native Governance Center, and I was on their board for a long I was one of their founding members, um, and I was going to go out and speak at the National Congress of American Indians. He said, you give the legislative update this time, and I'd been with him all of 10 months or something. And um, uh, I said, geez, I, I, I really, I'm not, I, I'm not good at public speaking. And he said, well, when it comes to legislation on the House of Representatives during the 101st Congress, who knows more than you do? And I said, oh, I didn't look at it that way. He said, you know more than they do, and your job is to share it with them. And so go do that. I'll leave you with that. Be great so much for your time. Um, and we hope to keep in touch and maybe uh, get a little update further down the road as you get settled in possibly Glad to come back because <laughs> that's not a problem Jimmy Gwett. I mean I feel like oh, man there's so much more we can talk about but again we can, of course we can, we can keep in touch and but it's great you know uh, I like that you know you know a lot about the subject like you, you just got to get out there and, and talk about it I really appreciated Tad Johnson's input and also encouragement that means a lot
thank you to Tad Johnson, a Boys Fort Band of Chippewa citizen, who is the first Native person to be appointed to the University of Minnesota Board of Regents. I'm Leah Lem. I'm Cole Primo. Miigwech for listening. Lights Where Indigenous Voices Shine is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.